0: Welcome to the Mike how Much Podcast. I am your host, Mike Veerman, and today is a special episode because instead of having Max, boring old Max, uh, we have a very dear friend of the podcast who helped us secure one of our very first guests ever in Tim McAuliffe, our good friend and uh, LA resident, Matt Unsworth.
1: What's up, buddy?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like how cool you're just like, what's
1: up, dude? Uh, um, how you been, man? Good, good. Yeah, uh, busy.
0: You're in town. You're in Toronto.
1: In Toronto, visiting all the people, family and friends.
0: Yeah, we're here at 299 Queen Street right now. For people that don't know, uh, Matt Unsworth used to work with us. He's a television writer, director, producer. And he made the trip down to L.A., which is pretty inspiring. You know, you went down there, you are working at Fox, and now you're at Amazon, I believe. Yep, yep. So, so yeah, tell us, what's it like? How, how's it been?
1: Uh, it's been pretty good. It took, like, a little while to get things going. It took yeah. a few steps back, a few ego hits after the first year. Oh, yeah? Uh, like, in what sense? Oh, uh, I just was, like... You know, just doing whatever job came to me, like ADs and PM and PA. So took a while to get, get going, and then I got my first job at FX. It's been pretty good, man. Four years. sally has been pretty good so far. Yeah, your wife is an actress. Yeah, my wife is an actress. You guys went down um, together. Yeah, the plan was to uh, go down together when, when I met her for the first time. She found out, the first day I met her, she found out I was American, and she said, oh, you're American, can you marry me so I can move down to the States? So, full long con. Yeah, she's, uh, she she's committed, Yeah, she committed to it. To the long con. You, yeah. you won her over. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, She accidentally fell in love with you. It started out as a scam. She thought it was going to be a scam, yeah. but then I scammed her. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: you live in Hollywood, yeah. And for our listeners, you've been the kindest ever. Greg and I were down there actually when the Arkells were recording, not this record, but the last record. You just let us like sleep at your place for a week. Like, you... oh, it was
1: the best. Having whenever you guys come out, and you come out, or Max <laughs> comes out, um, it's it's awesome. I love having you guys out. And I just try and every time someone comes out, I'm like, hey guys, look at the city. It's really fun. You should you should maybe like think about moving here somehow so that <laughs> we can transport all dudes out here. You want to get mm-hmm. all the Toronto people down yeah. to
0: L.A. I'd I, I go. I just need to marry an American. That's the yeah. play. You yeah, know?
1: you kind of blew it there.
0: Yeah, it's hard to get a, uh, a work visa. Yeah, no, they're not screwing around there. And then you said, like, the competition's pretty fierce out there. So, like, you live sort of right in Hollywood. And it's like, do you feel like everybody there is in that industry and everybody's writing and everyone's producing and everybody's either it, working in television or movies?
1: Yeah, it's kind of funny because it's like, I mean, like, where we grew up, Everyone worked at Stelco and DeFasco. Yeah, and we're their both families. From, we're both from Hamilton
0: for our listeners, born um, and raised.
1: Yeah, and so, like, you know, people's families and grandparents, like, they all worked in, at those steel mills. Absolutely. So it's kind of the same thing. Instead of a steel mill, it's the studios, but like every single person kind of lives off of it. It's like a, you know, it's like instead of a steel town, it's like a, I guess, a movie town or whatever. And right. everyone is employed in different facets. So when you're at the bar or whatever and you're talking to people and, they're like, uh, you ask them what they do, and they're like, "Oh, I'm a real estate agent." And you're like, "What? You mean like for a reality <laughs> show? Like that's so we- you know, like everyone- finding locations? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, reality show just for movies. Um, so, but yeah, it's cool if you're into. I mean, if you're really into movies and and film and TV and stuff, like you can just that's you're just at the bar nonstop talking about all that stuff, and yeah. like everything is like talking about the industry and. And, uh, you know, most people that moved out there, they were the kid that was like, I want to make movies. I want to be in the Spielberg or a Tom Cruise or whatever. So everyone's kind of come out and everyone's like really passionate about it. Um, so, I mean, for that, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty cool for sure. I think that if you weren't into film, you'd probably be, you'd probably be pretty tired of hearing about that stuff.
0: <laughs> right. But everybody's like-minded, so you're all going to have those same conversations.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So... Um, I got mentos. You want mentos? Oh, look at that. And and it's like, yeah, they're so not even, we're really close. We're very close right so. now.
0: Yeah. I, we've talked about this before in the pod, but we're recording this at 299 in in what is a VO booth for normally one person. And later on in the dessert, we're actually going to pull Shane in here. So That's we're going to three man pod in this little booth. Thanks for the mentos. We no should problem. get them to sponsor. Um maker. you've worked with Shane and I for a long time before you moved down there and we've been friends forever. Who do you miss more up here in Toronto, me or Shane? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um <laughs> Just uh, Shane listened to a lot of the episodes. Or? He never listens to okay. the opening. He only listens to. For you. Part. <laughs> um, do you have any uh, stories, anecdotally?
0: I remember you told me a bit ago about um, getting to pitch Judd Apatow.
2: Yeah. So
1: they have this. It's there's like a cool thing, especially because you know, after all these like celebrities are there, and you know they probably get bored and like to do extra stuff. So you get these kind of chances where there'll be some night where you know at the Largo and. Judd Apatow will do, like, some kind of show and, like, Sam, like M. Sandler will show up or there'll be a podcast. And, you know, I went to a podcast for um, the uh, community guy. Harmontown. Harmontown podcast. And then, like, Bobcat and Robin Williams just showed up. Randomly. Randomly. Weren't announced. Nerd, so you're weren't sitting announced, there. Just sitting there, like, you know, watching them play Dungeons and Dragons. And those two, huge, you know, I guess they're, like, really, well, they were really good friends. Um, So stuff like that happens, which is really cool. Like, you have, like, access to stuff like that. So, um. A while ago, there was this night at UCB, uh, Upright Citizens Brigade. Uh, There's one in, there's two of them, but this one is in um, Beachwood. And it was, uh, it's a night where it's Q&A with Judd Apatow. So (laughs) Judd Apatow just sit, it's like a small theater, and Judd Apatow kind of is just standing there, and there's no formula to it. It's just, you ask questions to Judd, and he's just on stage. It's five bucks a person. There's, you know, maybe a hundred people in there. He's just doing it, he just does it kind of for fun, obviously. And it's like, you know, when would you ever get a chance to do that? So you're sitting in the crowd, and um, you can just be like, tell me about that part in Freaks and Geeks, or blah, 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 and just, just people just asking random questions. You're
0: just, taking it, you're just doing a Q&A. Just
1: Q&A, just sitting there, and you could just throw out a question, and he answers it. And so it's not super easy to get tickets, but I schemed a pair. And so I was waiting and in the Q&A, and I heard that the last time Judd Apatow um, let people go up on stage and pitch a movie. So I was like, just biding my time. This is my shot. This is my shot. And, uh, he's like, all right, so, you know, this is the time I, you know, we get people to come down and pitch me movies. And I was already standing up before he had even asked for volunteers. (laughs) And he's like, all right, get down here. So he brought me down and, um, you know, he, um, so I have this movie I've been writing for a while. And, uh, already done. I'm kind of like shopping it around. It's been registered at the uh, Writers Guild just in case anyone wants to steal the idea. I I don't, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm don't way sh- ahead of you. Don't even try you know? Yeah, okay.
0: If, 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 only
1: if you feel comfortable sharing the plot right now. Yeah, I think, I think I'm okay, okay sharing the plot. It's registered people, so it's no steal Yeah, don't even try. Um, so I had it in the bag and so I get down there and he gets two other people and they get on stage and uh, Judd's like, it has got to warn everybody. Um, you get these people down here and, uh, they look like normal people and they, you know, pitch some super up script. Can I say that? (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, and so yeah, everyone's laughing and then he's like, all right, uh, since you're the super eager one goes to me right, right away. He's like, tell me your, your movie. And I was like, well, it's about, uh, sex robots in the future. And all of a sudden (laughs) he just like bursts out laughing. (laughs) And he's like, this is exactly what I mean. He's like, look at this guy. Clean cut dude. <laughs> <laughs> pitches some space porno to me. And he just starts railing into me for like 10 minutes. Like everyone's just like laughing as he's just making fun of me. Like... <laughs> And in my head I you know going in I was like, "Oh yeah, I'll pitch this script to him. He'll be like, oh, 'Oh, let's make it.' I'm our, you know, I'm super famous. This is awesome. You saw your whole future yeah, laid saw out." saw my whole future. This is my plan. <laughs> but that cut to me just getting berated by him in front of everyone. Everyone's <laughs> laughing their ass off. And um and then he's like, uh so he goes, "Alright, man, give me, you know, give me more. What? Give me the rest of the 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 pitch." And I was like, uh you know, men and women are segregated in segregated societies. Women with their robots, men with their robots, and uh, their female robots. And then all of a sudden, one day, all the female robots blow up. And so these guys who have never talked to real women have to, like, go in and talk to uh, real women. Again, which they again, haven't done which, in centuries. You know, again. it hasn't happened in centuries. Right. And uh, <laughs> that was kind of the setup. And so he started making fun of me again for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and then... His agent stands up and she's like, uh, um, she goes, well, you know, Judd, you might want to take it easy on him. Ben Stiller is uh, selling, uh, pitching a sex robot script as we speak. And Judd's Whoa. like, and he's like, oh, well, I guess if Ben Stiller thinks it's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and uh, were you crushed a
0: little bit that Ben Stiller was pitching a similar concept?
1: I was a little bit nervous for sure. Um, But I was also sort of vindicated by his manager. And so, uh, finally, the last step was he was like, all right, who are you going to... He's like, all right, hot shot, who are you going to cast in this movie? And I was like, Hannibal Burris, Danny McBride, and uh, Seth Rogen. And... uh, and then he's like, Yeah, that's a pretty good cast. And then his manager stands up again she was like, Yeah, Danny McBride's actually attached to that movie. So <laughs> the Ben Stiller movie. Yeah, the Ben Stiller movie. That's Hollywood. Like, oh, I guess I don't know anything about Hollywood. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, just uh yeah, so just you, took me down. Yeah. So when are you and Jed making the movie? Um, probably never. <laughs> I've been waiting for him to call me back. It's registered though, so you yeah, never know. Yeah, you know, maybe he'll maybe he'll uh, come to his senses. Yeah. Um, But that's, I mean, that's a really good metaphor for Hollywood. You go with these big expectations, you're going to be famous, and then it it all just gets shattered in front (laughs) of your eyes. (laughs) So that's an inspiring thought for all of our listeners. Yeah, for anyone who's thinking about moving there. Um, Going back
0: a little bit, uh, maybe for any of our listeners, because, you know, again, you're a Hamilton guy, and you managed to get a job producing television at MuchMusic a while ago.
1: How did you make that happen?
0: Um, As a young man, just trying to break into the industry.
1: Yeah, I was. Um, it was actually pretty lucky. I had. Uh, I was just living in Hamilton, shooting wedding videos mm-hmm. mostly. That's how I paid the rent, and then um, I would follow on the weekends. Just follow some people in band, like friends who were in bands. Um, one of them, Burlington's Boys Night Out, was a big one. That they we were a know. huge band. At yeah, the they're yeah. those awesome dudes. So you know, they let us let me follow them around. We, my friend and I, did like a documentary about them, and then. Um, uh, a mutual friend, this girl used to be a producer here. So I kind of picked her brain, spent a long time with her and someone else like working on a resume and took it very seriously. And, uh... Were you doing
0: like the thing was like, oh, can we go for a coffee and I can pick your yeah, brain? Yeah, it was so like, yeah. I did
1: barely kind of knew her and I was like, <laughs> I, I, I sort of knew her, but I was like, let me go a coffee, let me pick your brain. And it must've been so annoying. I mean, I'm sure we've all had that before. Um, but, uh, she like helped me with my resume she apparently pulled my resume out of the garbage at one point when John Campillis <laughs> threw it <laughs> <the> garbage. <laughs> <laughs> chucked it right away. <laughs> so I owe her a lot, for sure. So completely, a- completely unqualified, went in there. Uh, I decided to self-tan, to give myself a little color before the show. <laughs> like before I'm, the interview? Yeah, yeah. I gave myself color. You know, it was winter, but the bulbs were new, which is a thing, I guess. Oh, my God. Totally lobstered myself. <laughs> so I looked like such an idiot. I had very little TV experience, and uh, Johnny K saw saw my resume, and he hired me. Well, I think, like, one of the coolest things is, like, what you just
0: said is it's like, so you work here for years, you win a bunch of awards, you establish, like, an awesome career, and then you decide to reset in L.A., and you spent that whole year, like, grinding.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, that... Like, you weren't
0: too good to go back and do those things, although I'm sure it sucked.
1: Yeah, it kind of blew, for sure, and I think, I mean, you're in the same boat, it's just, like, In the TV thing world, it's like you just can't stop. You have to work twice as hard as the other person. You know, there's not really a thing where it's like you're going home from work and playing video games for four hours and going to sleep. It's just like work, work, work and kind of always picturing, you know, having an idea of where you want to go next. I think that's like – that's one of the very important things, you know, when preparation meets um, opportunity. And so – And much was, like, the best thing that ever happened to me. It was, you know, I got that job. And probably similar to you, like, I got that job and I was, like, just, like, looked at all the bullies and all the girls that broke up with me in Hamilton. And I was, like, look at me now! Yeah, as you drive out of town with your middle fingers up. Yeah, in in the go bus. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, but, yeah, no, it's true, man. It's, like, for us, like... Because much in Toronto seems so far away. I think when you're yeah. younger and you're in Hamilton, you're like, "How do you get into television?" And then when it happens, and you know, you get lucky with your path and you catch a break. I don't know, man. It's the best feeling in the world.
1: It's great. It just yeah. It just seemed, especially from being in Hamilton, it just seemed so un- unattainable. Yep. And it was just like, um, you know, you got to get your feet on the ground and you got to be there and kind of be in the scene and then you kind of weasel your way in and it was just like, but yeah, to like get there and finally um, have that job, it was amazing and I like you know some of my greatest like best memories have been working at much for sure yeah. and when we worked together we had such a awesome crew of guys that we're all you know obviously we're all still great but we're all going out after this yeah. to get drunk for together sure. yeah um it is it was just, it's a special group for sure and it was like yeah it was just like so fun to go w- going to work was like just like it was exciting. Yeah, it was almost like
0: like college or something.
1: Yeah, for sure. It not was not that like- I ever went
0: to college. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, anyway, man, you gonna hang around for the dessert with Shane? Of course, for sure. All right. Well, today on the show, I'm talking to a musician named Bishop Briggs. She has a song called Rivers. Okay. Yeah, there's you'd know the song if you heard it. It's like blowing up. She's very new, but she's led a really interesting life. She was born in the UK. She moved to Tokyo when she was like four. And then now she's based out of L.A. And this song, River, is, like, really big. It's really sort of soulful and, you know, hypnotic. And it's going to – it's like the song's already blowing up. It's going to blow up more. But she was really interesting to talk to for me because she's kind of at the start of her journey. Like, you know, she's gone to, you know, School of Performing Arts. You hear in the interview, like, all of the ways and all of the steps that she's tried to get to where she's at. Um but it's just happening for her now and and sometimes i find it's really interesting to talk to somebody who's kind of at the very start you know for do, sure. doing their first press rounds and kind of are just really excited
1: just cuz yeah like that potential you know you don't know where it's going to go you it's don't just know. like you know could be she could be massive you know 100% that's super exciting yeah
0: and uh, so the interview i actually really liked talking to her i thought she was she was really sort of um introspective and was able to sort of frame where she's at and where she wants H- to go how old
1: is she do you know I think she's twenty four. Okay,
0: so one of the things that she was doing while she was here, so she was doing press and, and sort of talking about her album that's coming out down the road, and um, she was doing like sort of like a little kind of like for fans and industry people a show at the Rivoli. You know the Rivoli. It's yeah, like, yeah. It's yeah. it's pretty small, right? right? So it's like it was kind of really cool to see her in that environment with the band and uh, just see her perform. She I think she did three songs, and she was like. Interview went really well. She's like, "Come check out the show," and I was like, "Oh, nice." It was like at three in the afternoon, so I was like, "I'll pop over." Popped <laughs> over, had a couple, you know, <laughs> vodka sodas, and uh, settled in. I still came back to work. Don't tell my boss. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, she was she was really good. So you want to get to that interview? Yeah, let's do it. You're filling in for the Max now. So yeah, you,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Did I live up to Max?
0: Yeah, you were better. Okay, good. Yeah, That's Max right. is out. That's all I was. Going You're in, for. man. We're gonna That's do right. remotes from Sorry, LA. Sorry, Max. LA. <laughs> Sorry, bud. I'll call all right. in. All right, let's get to Bishop Briggs. I kind of wanted to start uh, at the beginning because, you know, a lot has been made about your international background. You know what I mean? Sort of like living in Japan and Hong Kong. Like, what did your
3: parents do? Or what well, do your parents do? Well, my dad was one of those people that was jack of all trades. And he just kind of had his hand in everything. I mean, he um, is a photographer. He writes. I mean, he does it all. And so I think sometimes... Like all creative, though? Yeah, a lot of creative. And I think sometimes when you... Um, have your hand in all of those different pots, you end up in a place like Japan, mm. you know?
0: That's interesting. So was he was able to work, like, sort of just plying his trade there? Or? Yeah,
3: I mean, he's someone that is an entrepreneur. Like, the minute you meet him, uh, he's just super charismatic. I mean, I kind of think he's a spy, you know? <laughs> like, the more I talk about him, I'm like, is he a spy? Yeah. Like, what's going on? Um, but yeah, he was a, yeah, that's how we ended up in those places, thanks to him.
0: Yeah. Was he, like, doing a regular job there, or was he always just sort of, like, doing these side gigs? Like, how do, how do you make ends meet growing up in a place like that?
3: Well, he made it happen, and...
0: <laughs> Don't ask too many questions.
3: L- let's, let's keep it at that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. It's a spy. Yeah. Um, so then you moved to L.A.
3: Yes, I moved to L.A. Um, the day after I graduated high school
0: okay. in Hong Kong. And what age is... Is it, like, any different in Hong Kong? Graduation age or it's anything like that? It's 18. 18, okay. Yeah. And was it the feeling sort of that you were waiting until you finished school to come back, or was it always planned for that time to come back?
3: Uh, well, I it was my first time ever living in L.A. Um, when I graduated high school, um, after I graduated high school. And so, uh, super surreal to just make the leap, and I had to do it.
0: Was it a culture shock?
3: Well, luckily, a lot of people in Hong Kong, it's very similar to New York. Um, it's kind of this mecca of a ton of different people, a ton of different cultures. So I was quite adjusted. The only thing that I wasn't adjusted to in LA. Oh, I I mean, the whole buses thing was a whole new world. I mean, they have buses in Hong Kong, but LA is a whole other animal with like timing. And uh, yeah, I had to make it happen.
0: Just learn that system.
3: You have to learn the bus system. The public transit system. Yes,
0: yes. <laughs> <laughs> It was the most challenging thing. So when you get there, what do you, what do, you do? Do you do you have like a part-time job? Do you need to start like gigging? What's your plan as you get there?
3: Well, um, I went to school first. I just did an associate's degree. Um, At the Musicians Institute?
0: Yes. How was that?
3: It was great. I mean, it's. Uh, I think it really helps when you are performing every day.
2: Okay. And
3: so after I graduated... I tried to do that, and every couple of days or every day, um, I would play a venue um, because it's the one thing in LA you can do for free, generally. Um, you can grab a ride from someone if you need to, but I didn't have the funds to record, mm-hmm. so it was kind of the perfect outlet to practice my craft. Just gig. Yeah.
0: Is it sort of a traditional, like, do you have other students that you, like, study with, or is it more independent?
3: I would say it's a mix. It depends on which classes you're taking uh, but it's definitely all about your own journey and however you end up at the end.
0: Is it like, do you find it competitive with the other musicians or the people trying to write music?
3: I, I never see it as competitive only because I really think you have to be competitive only with yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is a really tough industry. And the minute you start going against the people that also have the same dreams as you, I think is when a f- you know, you're know, you hugely flawed and you're stumping your growth.
0: That's interesting. So like as opposed to maybe looking at a peer and going like, oh, how come they have that and I don't? It's more like an internalized sort of, I need to just focus on what I'm doing where I'm going.
3: Yeah. And Do you find it
0: difficult though to, to have the discipline and not look over there and go, oh shit, how come I don't have that?
3: Honestly, I am someone that I have always been this way. Um, but I think it's just because I, uh, maybe it's because I know how tough it can be that I, I know that we're all kind of struggling the same, whether it has a different filter on it or not is a whole other story.
0: Mm, That's interesting. Um, so gigging, going to Musicians Institute... How did you divide time? Like, did you find that you sort of were just, I just want to create music and perform music all the time? Or were you like anybody else, where it's like, eh, you know, shit, I'm 20, I want to go and have some fun with my friends. How did you split oh, wow. that time?
3: Oh my gosh. I, I almost wish I was that 20s and just wanted to have fun, but I just care so much about this and it just is all I've ever wanted to do.
2: Mm-hmm. And so
3: for me, I would write every day, um, Thankfully, I, a lot of my friends out there were also musicians, so we were all kind of in the same boat.
0: As you were growing up. And yes. so sort of like, you were all into the same thing.
3: Right. So we weren't all... I mean, of course, a few people wander, but uh, you know, we're all trying to write every day and perform as much as we can.
0: Mm-hmm. When you're gigging that much, I mean, because you know, you're, you're young still... But did you find it discouraging? You know, I read that it's like you play any venue, and it was like three people here, or you yes. just sort of take gigs. Are there times where you're like, ah, oh, this is kind of discouraging? Is something going to happen, or do you are you kind of like, I'm just happy to be singing?
3: Very happy to be singing. You know, it's it's kind of a part of earning your stripes, I think. And uh, my goal, whenever I played to three people, was to hopefully make those three people feel inspired to write themselves, um, or. Uh, you know impact those three people to um enjoy the music
0: mm-hmm. so you do all that and you're with island records right yes now we're always and
3: interested. teleport records
0: okay gotta get them in there teleport yes, as well yes. uh it's we're always interested i think for any like other creative people listening to this pod or like how that stuff happens how do you come about getting a record deal how like how, how do you make that leap for everybody else that's gigging right now and wants to make that leap how does it happen for you
3: Well, I think a lot of it has to do with preparation, timing, and meeting interesting people. Uh, When I was playing all these random shows, I was singing at a songwriter's round, and um, my now manager uh, was actually at a guitar center, and he heard this vocalist singing. It was not me singing. (laughs) But he went up to the vocalist and he said, are you playing any shows? She was. She was playing a show um, that weekend um, at a songwriter's round. I was at that songwriter's round,
0: Mm.
3: um, which I would have been anyways, because I was taking any show I could. And um, it was actually my first songwriter's round that I've ever done. And um, I got coaxed into going first. And then he came up to me after. His name is George Robertson. And then a week later, I got introduced to Mark Jackson and Ian Brendan Scott, and uh, who are producers. Mm-hmm. And the first song we wrote together was "River." And so, within a matter of eight days, you know, my whole life had been changed, and that was a mix of preparation, um, you know, meeting opportunity, right.
0: So, you know, you're in this pool of a bunch of people that are performing every day and doing these things, and then you meet this manager. Yes. And then you meet these producers. Were you going into a co-write? Had you done a lot of co-writing before?
3: I had done co-writing before, uh, but this was definitely a different experience. Because they produce as well, it was kind of like ending with a finished product. You know, I had done personal writing and I had done co-writing, but it always ended with You know, this obscure voice memo, which are the best. It's it's like
0: here, but it's not.
3: Totally. It it was an obscure voice memo. There was some piano. There was chords going on. Mm -hmm. Maybe someone like, you know, doing some drum thing. Uh, But to kind of uh, sing the song and have a finished product was a whole new world for me.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Are you precious about co-writing? Like, is it it important for you to get your idea pushed through, or are you open to collaboration in every form?
3: I'm truly open to collaboration. Uh, If I am not wanting to do that, I probably wouldn't enter into a co-write situation. Uh, I kind of think that is the joy that comes with co-writing, is that you get influenced by everyone in the room. And... uh, there are some moments where I will have an idea and I may have to convince. <laughs> you know, I may feel very passionately, uh, but I am always open to everyone. And, um, and and in turn, you know, I hope they're open to me.
0: And River's the song that came out of that session. Yes.
3: That was the first song we wrote together.
0: Is that what led to the record deal?
3: Uh, I think what led to uh, that whole thing was, uh, we got this placement, um, this Acura placement, mm-hmm. and it was for our song Wild Horses. And uh, that brought a lot of um, unique people in our little studio that was in my producer's mother-in-law's house.
2: Mm.
3: Um, and uh, maybe it was people that wouldn't have come in the door before. So I think that opened a lot of doors for us as well
0: well for I mean and this is always an interesting thing for creatives it's like you sort of you know you make your music and it comes from your place but there's also sort of an aspect of your life that needs to be maybe cognizant of being a career it's like oh I want a a major label deal because it might lead to this or this opportunity which gets lets me do what I want to do full-time when you're making the decision to sort of like sign with a label or take that next step is that a difficult thing for you is that something that you really have to think hard about or are you just like let's just keep it moving
3: I think it all depends on who it's with. Uh, I think when you know, you know, and uh, with Island and Teleport um, collaborating, it was it just felt right.
0: Mm-hmm. Is that like about the people that maybe are representing those companies? It's like, yes. I like the relationships here and I feel good about this.
3: Yeah, it was honestly a mix. I mean, uh, I think, you know, after meeting... Um, whole different array of characters. Um, I thought it was very similar to dating um, in the sense (laughs) that, you know, when you meet someone and they've maybe not even said anything to you and you're like, you're a psycho. Like you just, you you just know, you just, and you can't explain. It's (laughs) like their track record's great. They've gone on dates with, you know, this person and this person or whatever. But ultimately, you know, and I think that's, The one thing that I hope I always hold on to, which is just if you have the inner peace in your soul, you can make any decision because all the answers are within yourself. But some of them are harder to listen to than others.
0: What would be an example of something that's a hard decision to listen to?
3: Ooh, uh, I would say because this is such a huge dream of mine, I think something that was always hard was Knowing that you deserve better, even when you have nothing. Hmm. So expecting something, even when you have no reason to. And uh, what I mean by that is specifically just people I worked with. And in the past, I had terrible experiences with um, either other songwriters or producers. Um, And uh, they're definitely not worth mentioning, but uh, it was one of those things that I had nothing but I knew it wasn't right. And that was a hard decision because I wanted it so badly and I wanted that the dream that they were selling me but I just knew it wasn't right. Uh, so I think that has been something I've tried to keep doing.
0: To walk away from potential opportunities if it doesn't jive with how you're feeling.
3: Yeah, and if it uh, if it's not good people. Yeah. I think that, that tells you a lot and um, sometimes this doesn't mean as much to other people as it does to you. You know, for them, it's just another project. It's a job. It's a job. Uh, they
0: could be a bank teller. Exactly. They're just putting in their hours. Right. But for you, it's your life.
3: But for me, it's literally, it's, it's the biggest passion that I've ever had. And it's all I've ever wanted. So uh, yeah, I think that was a very hard decision along the way. Yeah. yeah. And that, that happened a lot. You have to make those decisions a lot.
0: Have you ever second guessed one of those decisions? Uh, never. Oh, <laughs> that's a pretty good track record. Yeah. Um, you recently did Fallon.
3: Insane. Yeah. I mean, you, it's so funny with these podcasts because you can't see my face, but like, <laughs> I, just went, I just made a huge smile. Um, yeah, that was so surreal. There was a lot of tears going on, uh, you know, afterwards. Obviously. Of course. Yeah. Just I mean, like
0: happy tears. like. Yes.
3: And before, I mean, I would have been crying before, but A, makeup. <laughs> okay. Um, you know so much about that, of course. Yeah. Um, and then B, uh, it was the fact that, uh, I had to, you know, perform one of my most aggressive songs and I wanted it to be genuine. And, uh, so I just had to take myself out of where I was. Um, and yeah, I don't know how I got in there, but <laughs> very thankful. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, so like when you do a show like that, how does that look? So it's like you get there, uh, do you meet Jimmy?
3: So I, we met him uh, after the show. Um, we met him briefly on stage. Um, I think that interaction happened right after we played. And I could see him at the side, and he was jamming like, Banging his head, which is so motivating and exciting. Um, and then he came by after the show, uh, which was awesome. Like
0: after the show was taped, he came by?
3: Yeah. And he, he held my manager's baby. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> and uh, did spit bubbles with the baby. Uh, totally stole my moment, you know. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It was very baby.
3: very yeah. rude of the baby. <laughs> um but it's fine like uh You're we're like well, yeah i mean we're we're on good terms now okay, cool. i mean he's 4 months it's like
0: yeah, yeah. it's time for that relationship there's to there's time There's yeah. time
3: um but yeah it was very very exciting
0: how long sound check <laughs> like do you just get one run through and that's it and the sound check
3: actually the staff was amazing it it honestly went by super quick but i think we did a couple of run throughs uh you know the band normally has their moment to set up and then I perform it a couple of times, but it was my first time ever performing to cameras and you know, it was a whole new world. There's lights, of course. you know? Yeah.
0: Were you like, do I look directly into camera or do I sort of perform myself? Do I perform to the audience in the room? So
3: I asked this uh, to the camera guy, um, shout out to Greg (laughs) and he, it's a night show. (laughs) Yes. Okay. And he told me that, uh, it's always best because they cut it you know, they have all these different cameras, sure. it's always best to perform to the crowd and to really pretend that it's a real show, which it is, of course, it's a real show, it's live. But, uh, you know, because it's this TV environment, there's a part of you that is like, should I perform to this camera? Should I be doing something different? But the minute he said that, I was like, I. the only way this will come across as authentically as myself, is to perform it the way I would any other show. Mm-hmm. And that's to the audience, and uh, I think and I hope they were receptive.
0: Yeah, talking to um, some other musicians, they say the hardest things about these gigs, like we just had a big award show here called the MMVAs, and yes, we were talking to I a bunch of yeah, performers that were coming off stage, and they were saying the hardest thing about those sort of like one song gigs is going like a zero to a hundred, like that to try and get into like, you know, gig mode. Right. And it's like you have to ramp it up and then you're down all of a sudden instead of maybe performing a full show. Right. Did you find it hard to get to that that spot or did you you able to just turn it on?
3: That's my favorite challenge. Yeah? Yeah. And uh, I'm someone that before I go on stage, I'm this meditating angel. And then the minute I get on stage, um, I kind of go into the side of me that most people don't see. Mm-hmm. and that's a lot darker and maybe less appealing uh, and uh, so I, I find it fun I find it fun to have that challenge of um, going zero to 100 and uh, making the best of it yeah yeah
0: um you know right now you have singles out you're doing yes. all this press it feels like things are blowing up for you hope so <laughs> fingers crossed fingers um fingers crossed yeah, like, do you have, like, an LP in the works? What's the What's the plan going forward?
3: Well, if you come to one of our shows, which you should, um, it was... Uh, basically, the whole set is new material... Okay. Um, ...that is unreleased. So the people that have been coming to the shows have been kind of getting this inside look to what maybe something future would look like. But just know we always have something up our sleeves, and uh, we always have something in the works.
0: Do you feel like this is... I mean, it's always that thing where people are like, do you feel like this is all happening really fast, or do you feel like I've been doing this for decades now, since I was a little kid?
3: Uh, it depends on the day. Okay. Yeah. I I think there have been really great lessons that I've learned along the way. Um, I just turned 24. Happy birthday. Uh, thank you.
0: What, what's the actual birthday?
3: It's July 18th. Oh, exciting. Yes. All right, cool. Um, and with those 24 years of, you know, and I, I would honestly say it's been my whole life um, wanting this and trying to have tunnel vision. Um, I I really think that this is I lost my train of thought. What was I saying?
0: Uh, I was asking about. <laughs> does it feel like it's happening really fast? Then oh, you okay. Say, yeah. It wait. No. On the day. Okay.
3: That's the perfect answer. Okay. <laughs> totally. Okay. Wait. That is. The, so what just happened is the perfect answer because it truly. It's like I can't even take it in. That is the perfect answer. I can't even take it in because, uh, it is happening very fast, but yes, depending on the day, some days it feels, um, you know, like I'm really taking in the lessons that I've learned along the way. Uh, and I'm going to lose my train of thought again, so let's just go on to the next question.
2: (laughs) I literally was like, are you really going to veer off
3: again? I just, I, yeah, it's just whirlwind. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, I mean, I guess I was just going to ask, you know, like, w- what you do have planned for the future is just more gigging, releasing an album at some point with this new material you're talking about?
3: Yeah, we um, we have some really cool shows coming up. We're doing, um, we're opening for Coldplay.
0: Oh, that's what I wanted to ask about. I didn't even have that money. That's amazing. So it's like, how does that, I think it's nine dates? I yeah, saw. it's nine dates. How does that come about? And holy shit, Coldplay, right? Like, I mean...
3: Madness. I mean, that's going to be happening... I think it's either in a week and a half or two weeks from now, Uh, and I definitely didn't sleep the minute I found out, I mean I haven't slept since, that's why I'm clearly losing my mind and losing my train of thought, (laughs) Um, but uh, yeah, well basically we were in the studio uh, writing, and my manager came in, and he sat us down, he was like, I have some news for you." Seemed like a funeral was about to occur. You know, he seemed very serious. Wow. And then he surprised us. He did the old switcheroo. Exactly. And uh, I just, I wish there was footage of it, but none of us knew what was happening. Uh, But we were just in stunned silence. Uh, And I think all of us were just shocked. And uh, it's so early. You know, for, for us to be given an opportunity like that from someone that made such a huge impact, I mean, the impact in the alternative space, uh, was a big deal.
0: Have a favorite place song?
3: Oh, I love Fix You.
0: Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of tears streaming down your face. I know, you know?
3: totally, yes.
0: Um, well, yeah, good luck with everything in the future. Thanks so much for your time.
3: Thank you so much. Yeah.
0: All right, this is everyone's favorite part of the episode—the dessert. But this is a dessert unlike any other because we have our friend, our dear friend Matt Unsworth here filling in for Max. Shane, how do you feel about that?
2: Oh well, as always, anytime we're in the weird setup in this mini booth, I feel (laughs) totally weird. (laughs) But I am glad uh, Unsworth is here, as we—it's been like a year since I think we've seen him. It's been a while. I think. Oh, the the pub crawl. The wait, no, the bachelor
1: party. Oh yeah, you were. Mike's bachelor party. Remember I was 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 there. there?
2: yeah, I forgot about yeah, that. Forgot there was that. so many guys Shane on Shane had a good time party. on the bachelor party. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And uh, before that, when you came down to L.A., we went to the comedy store and stuff. Remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah, why was I there?
2: Uh, it was There's that shooting gaming, online gaming thing. Oh, yeah. That was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about that on the yes. podcast. Oh, yeah, the online gaming thing. Okay, yeah. 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 But so anyways, it's been a while.
0: Yeah. And now you're back for a quick little uh, stint. We were just saying how we're excited that after
2: we record this, we're going for drinks. Oh, we are. And speaking of which, I was wondering if you guys wanted to go to the Kanye show tonight. Wow, really? It is that could a possibility? be possibility? Yeah, it's uh the nut <laughs> supplied it. So really? it could be us three and Myers. Go, it could be like a pre-drink. Huh? Wow. That's a, Wow, this is like you're here
0: for anyone at home that can't see us. Uh Unzi and I are like shocked right now uh, that this is on the table. Okay, wow. well, well, Shane, yeah. let's get through this, and then uh, and then we'll talk about maybe seeing Kanye, and then we'll have something to talk about in the next pod.
2: Well, yeah, that's crazy. apparently the, the show's
0: nuts, yeah, no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> he plays on a floating stage, it seems. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, first of all, guys, Shane just got married. It was an a, amazing wedding, and we'll probably get more into that in another pod, because Max wasn't actually at the wedding, so maybe mm-hmm. you can describe that more. But you also, and this comes with most weddings, had a honeymoon. I did.
2: Yes, I went to Saint Martin. Saint Martin. Same. Well, you can. I think you can say it two ways. Like Saint. People often correct me when I say Saint. There go Saint Martin or Saint Martin. But it's Dutch and French. So I think depending where you are, they say it different. And the the two sides of the island I noticed are very different too. Just in the behavior. There's one side where you can like drink and drive. It's not illegal. Like and the, the the French which is the Dutch side and the French side you can't drink at all hardly. You'll get busted cops everywhere trying to bust tourists everything, but you can be naked and no one's naked <laughs> on the Dutch side. Everyone's naked on the It'd French side. It'd
1: be such a better time if they could all just come together. meld it all yeah. I, I, be a I, big naked drinking driving party fest.
2: You constantly need to remember which <laughs> side you're on. <laughs> 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 Uh, Yeah, I got a ticket for driving naked and drunk. (laughs) I mixed it. No, I didn't. But but what did happen is I went on a, a nude beach. I actually. You geared down? I, it was funny because my whole plan was I'm not gonna see anyone I know, <laughs> so I'm just gonna get naked. Like your penis I'm is gonna, out? And I haven't shaved my pubes, anything. <laughs> it's like horrible. Did you do the hover hand in front of it, or you just fall like walking no, like you had pants on? Well, the plan was to just be confident and right. have uh, my dinky out. But I get on the plane. And Liz is there, <laughs> and a bunch of other people from our work are on the plane to my honeymoon. <laughs> Completely random. So I'm having a panic attack because I promised my wife now that I would be naked the trip because that's something she's proud to do. <laughs> uh, but luckily, it was a uh, I had to do a layover, so it, they were just going to the Pittsburgh part. Oh, and then you
0: connected in Pittsburgh.
2: Yes, but I was panicking, checking their Instagrams and making sure that they were definitely in Pittsburgh before I disrobed. <laughs> <laughs> but any, anyway, I get to the, um, the beach, and I thought getting naked or whatever was very, uh, like, kind of hippie-ish. I didn't think uh, people consider it a sexual thing at all. And sure enough, when we got there, there was a bunch of nude people helping a baby turtle. Okay, like the survival rate for baby turtles is very low. Like they lay all these eggs, but these they were helping this turtle and this everything. It's a very cultural trip. You're telling yeah. me about the Dutch side, <laughs> the French side, baby turtles. Yeah, but uh, uh, and then we went over and we kind of like like played with the turtle, and then we look over and there's a gangbang going on the beach just <laughs> no, to the level. Right. <laughs> Yeah, like a turtle gangbang or no, human gangbang? Humans like this. This guy is just what? Like like right in there like crazy so there's sex happening on this beach sex sex on the beach it's crazy uh and we're just watching it and then like these people are probably hammered or know each other for years we watch it the whole time (laughs) and then at the end of it they just hug and they say nice to meet you and they separate (laughs) they just met how many people were in there four four people yeah like an an older couple a guy our age and a girl our age wow so that was an interesting part. Uh, that Were you nude watching this at this point? I was nude watching Did it. Did you was, become aroused? It, I was aroused only because uh, I was getting kind of caressed under the water. <laughs> but, <laughs> the, By the baby turtle? <laughs> Why are you nibbling me, baby? <laughs> <laughs> ah! <laughs> Snapping turtle! <laughs> so that was an interesting thing that happened. That was the first like, really fascinating thing that happened. This definitely happened on the French side? Uh, yes, okay. French side. So then uh, we're walking along the Dutch side and this like very boisterous Dutch man comes up. He's like, he's like, are you over 30? I won't do the Dutch accent. That's not it. (laughs) He's like, are you over 30? I'm like, yes. He's like, you're eligible to win a prize. So obviously I'm thinking this is a huge scam. So he scratches the, I scratch the ticket that he gives me and I win a free drink. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. He's like, okay, even though she, my wife, is under 30, I'll give her a ticket. Gives her a ticket. She wins the grand jackpot. And Alex, or my wife, just goes nuts. Like, she's totally never been scammed before, never fallen for anything, (laughs) so believes it. And everyone's cheering. He's like, you just won $1,000, a trip to St. Martin, or an iPod. Or an, an iPad. And he's like, all you have to do is listen to a little presentation. So, obviously, it's a timeshare scam. <laughs> <laughs> but Alex is so excited. I explained to her that it's definitely a scam of sorts. But we still agree. To sit through this pitch. To sit through it because we're going to still get it, presumably. the iPad. One one of the prizes. Right. Which, what do you think would be? You think I think they probably had iPads there. That's what we... That was our... Suspicion. Like, they're not going to give you a grand. I feel like first gonna... generation I'm <laughs> yeah, <had. exactly. laughs> yeah. And then, so we go. Just like, I'm sheerly curious about this. And I think it'll be a funny thing to talk about, at the very least, on the pod, if all goes wrong. So we, we get there. That same four people are having a, a, <laughs> <yeah>. a fucking <laughs> presentation. They do everything. <laughs> um, so we get a free drink. And we're introduced to the woman who's the saleswoman. And uh, she doesn't want to leave the bar. She just wants to chat, get to know us, get all this information, wants to know how much we make a year, all this stuff. But it's all under the guise of we're buddies. And then Alex is like, when's the presentation start? She goes, I'm sick of my office. Let, let's let just hang out in here and chat and all this. Showing us, I don't know what that accent is either. <laughs> she was French. She shot, was, right? yeah, she, no, that she was French. She wasn't Caribbean or anything like that. So, And Alex is like, no, let's just get to the presentation. So we go to the office. And she just starts talking more, small chat. So I'm like, this is never going to end. This 90-minute presentation probably hasn't even started yet. Anyway, we get the presentation started. And then I reveal to her that we're just there for the prize. I'm like, listen, like, the prize is so good. We're clearly just here for that. And then she turned on us. She just started insulting me and saying (laughs) I wasn't buying the timeshare because... I probably have other girlfriends, <gasps> and I'm go- I want a vacation with them. So she knows you. Yes. <laughs> How she know she knows my checkered past. She must have known one of my other past girlfriends. <laughs> but then uh, she said that. Yeah, she said that, and then are you laughing through this? Like, well, I'm being kind of funny. Like, I made a joke, like, like kind of what you just said, referencing right. the past girlfriends and all that. And then I'm like, listen, this is my honeymoon. I just bought a house. I just got married. Literally, this is our second day being married. If I come home with a timeshare and tell her father I did that, the wedding's over. Like, the marriage is the shortest we can get in a moment. And she's like, you tell her father everything you two do? I'm like, not the sex stuff. But if it's about buying a property, then yes. And furthermore, I don't get to keep this property. I only get it for 99 years, so I can't even pass this on to my kids. Like, you don't get the property. She gets very mad. Very insulting. Then she goes, well, now we have to sit through a computer presentation. I'm like, no, I'm not getting it. She just sits there and stares at us. (laughs) And no one says anything. And we just look at each other for a minute and a half. And I just go, Alex, you want another drink? Because I'm going to buy drinks. Then she starts panicking like, oh, these people are just going to drink their way through the presentation. Obviously, her plan is for us to get so insulted that we leave without the prize. Oh, I see. She calls the manager in. The manager had a uh, more normal disposition. We explained it to her what was going on. Begrudgingly, they gave us the prize, which was another trip back to St. Martin. Whoa! Yes. That's crazy. But, like, I, I researched, obviously, this scam. So many people have been scammed. What they do when they get you back, they try to harass you even more. But you just got to kind of take it jokey, and you can make your way through it. Would you sit through another timeshare presentation just for your free trip? It's fascinating. Like, you would love it, Mike, just as a point of, like, if you don't get mad, if you know the scam, I wasn't even mad at the woman after I looked up the scam, because they purposely get mad. And she probably felt like an idiot, too, because we're joking people. But no, the average person would definitely walk out, because they try a bunch of insulting tactics. <laughs> Luckily. <laughs> it turns into a roast when they can't <laughs> say a touch. But chair. Okay, so that was another, that was an interesting thing that happened, kind of out of the ordinary. I'd never really been through that. But let's go to Kanye.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's it that's all that's our episode i want to thank matt unsworth for coming in all the way from la thanks for coming on matt thanks for having me shaney boy
3: always as good always to be here
0: yep uh, the mike on much podcast is produced by max kerman i'm your host mike veerman follow us at mike on much on instagram on twitter all the deals are done by jenna gregory jenna's doodles.com see you next week if we don't die in the weekend